Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. I'm your host, Fabio Molle, and every week I bring you insights from players, coaches, parents, and experts who are ingrained in the world of high-level tennis. Today, I speak to Kieran Voster, a highly experienced physical trainer who's working with Liam Brody, Dan Evans, and Sarana Kirstea. Formerly, Kieran has also captained the South African Davis Cup team. He's been the SNC coach of Tim Henman and has also led the SNC at the Guitar Tennis Federation. In my chat with Kieran, we chat about the idea of maintaining fitness while at tournaments, what it's like coaching multiple players at once, junior tennis players, and their physical screening protocols and more. Before we get started, a shout out to our podcast partners, ASICS. ASICS, in my opinion, and I've said it many times, make the world's best tennis shoes. And whether you need shoes to cover every inch of the court or spend a full day coaching, they have you covered. My personal favorites are the Solution Speed FF2. And if you're coaching all day, I recommend the Resolution 9. They're light, they're soft, and they've great traction. Really great shoe. Head over to asics.com to see the full range. If you have any questions, reach out to me anytime. Okay, here's Kieran. Hi, Kieran. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. How are you? Good, and you? I'm very good. Uh, great to have you on. Look, and you've been in the tennis world a long time now. I have indeed, yeah. It's uh, 30, 32 years. So you've seen a lot of people come and go and a lot of uh, things change, I'm sure. Uh, anything, briefly before we get into Bibber, anything that, what's the one thing that stands out the most since the day you started and today in your world of... Um, yeah, the, uh, the, a huge paradigm shift from not just tennis coaching, but the importance of having, you know, like your physiotherapist traveling with you um, or a strength and conditioning coach, you know, to make sure that your body is continually, uh, continuously patched up um, and ready to compete. Because obviously tennis is, is all, I mean, you could argue it's a 12 month cycle. They don't have that much break. Um, and if they do opt for breaks, it's, you know, six weeks at the end of the year and then they're off again. And in, in that six weeks, a lot of them opt to play exhibition matches and you know chase chase the pound coin make hay while the sun shines so yeah the, the, there has been a huge uh shift towards the physical and physio which which started mid 90s but really gained momentum in the early 2000s and and now it's prominent like when you know at the tournaments you you'll see the people that can afford it you know have invested in in their teams uh, there's still a couple of players out there that are a bit tight and not investing in their teams, but then it does come back to bite them with injuries down down the road. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sure I'd love to know who doesn't have one, but no, it's key to, it must be key to having, you know, having your body in order. You need yeah. these people. It's it's simple. Uh, you know, if you, and, and the other thing is they're not, some of the players aren't willing to pay the right amount of cash. So, you know, if you're paying someone a hundred grand a year, but the return on the hundred grand is three million. It's a pretty good return on your investment. Um, but they don't see it that way. They just they see it like, oh, I'm dipping into my pocket, and you know, I'm not paying you a hundred grand or a hundred and fifty grand or a hundred grand plus bonuses. But you know, if you if you're getting the return on the investment, it's you know, and if you're getting you know, three hundred percent return, you wouldn't get that in the stock market, would you? No, look, I think there's loads of ways of looking at it. One is you know, they're going to be, they should be in better shape every week. So the chance that they could do better around better every week. 
one, it just takes one tournament, one run at a big tournament. That's all you need, really, isn't it, to to cover everything? Yeah, and I, I mean, I'd yeah, I'd like to probably just correct you there. It's not being in better shape; it's maintaining the shape whilst you're playing tournaments because yeah. you can't improve your physical, your 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 physical base whilst at tournaments. You you're match fit, and you know you're just trying to keep that level, keep that intensity, being able to play at that level without your body breaking down. So if you've got somebody around you who has good knowledge um, and understands the anatomy and tennis anatomy, you, you'll you be fine. Yeah, no, no, that's what I actually meant. It's more like maintaining yeah. your level rather than I do know, I do have, we've had coaches on here, strength trainers who actually say once they get to Grand Slam week they're not needed there the physios need it there you know the yeah. the physical therapist is needed there that's how okay, that's who helped them maintain their job's been done weeks ago Yeah. so uh, really interesting and let's just cut back to where you started day one how did you get into the tennis world? Um, I grew up in a small small country in Africa called Malawi um, and from a young age I decided I wanted to be a pro tennis player so um, resources were lacking, but um, the desire and dedication and devotion to the sport was was there. So, you know, I just got my head down and, I, you know, I wanted to play pro tennis. Um, and then, you know, when I got to 16, I moved back to South Africa and played the last year as a junior there. But the the gap, because I grew up, grew up in Malawi, was, was vast and obviously bridged a huge gap in two years. Um, and then, yeah, I went and played satellites back then for two years. Um, and then my goal was always to be top 100, but realized pretty quick that I wasn't going to get there. So um, I turned my attention at the tender age of 20 to coaching. Um, and I was in London when I retired and or when I decided to quit playing. And then I went into coaching and then saw a niche on the physical side. So even the way I was coaching was physical. Um, and my theory behind that is really, you know, if you're working with a player who um, is established, you're not going to change anything technically with them. But it's it's about the physical presence of mind and the positive positive thinking, you know, and being a positive presence around them that that was going to make the biggest impact. Um, and I did a sports massage course, which which was obviously worth its weight in gold back then because players used to have to put their name on a sign-up sheet and if they were 10th on the list, they'd have to wait. You know, that that, that could be mm. five hours, it could be seven and a half hours before they could see into Whereas I traveled with the table, you know, the player I'm working with could, you know, have as and when suited them. So, yeah, and then, yeah, and then I, I got lucky. I worked with Wayne Ferreira for four years, both as his S&T coach and... Um, tennis coach and I was South African Davis Cup trainer assistant coach for uh, four years and then obviously I, I, I was lucky I got to work with Tim Hemman and then with Tim I got branded I got boxed as an SNC coach but um, what were you doing with Tim was it SNC work and a bit of tennis coaching or was it no no tennis coaching no just SNC um, I, I I just you know and then Beginning of 2000s, I took an interest into rehabilitation, a um, little bit of diagnosis. I quite like a manual therapist to diagnose. And then 
um, I like to do, I like to put together the corrective exercise program or, or, or exercise intervention program to get them back stronger, better, so that their bodies don't break down. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, my my role right now is you know keeping keeping the players in the best best shape possible for them to compete week in week out. You know, if you take an example of Serana and Dan and and Dan Dan had a week off and now he's playing Davis Cup this week, and then next week we're off to China. So this you know the next block of of time that we can really work on developing so he comes back bigger, better next is middle of November to end of December. Okay. And Serana lost on, on Tuesday night. She flew back Wednesday night. She, you know, she was back, back in Dubai Thursday. She had up until this Monday off, she's back training and then she flies. And tell me, looking at, obviously you were, Tim Henwin, who's a British number one and Dan Evans. How, what's the difference Physically, is Dan Evans a much, uh, let's say, I think Dan Evans' fitness come on a lot and a lot over the years. He's so fit. I'm impressed by how fit Dan Evans is. So great job there. And how would you compare him to Tim Hammond's fitness? Well, first of all, character-wise, they're very similar. It's a bit of deja vu, me working with him, um, with, with Dan, uh, just in terms of the energy, the bubbliness. Um, just he loves loves tennis, loves loves being out there. And Tim was very much the same. You know, he loved it, and you know, both great students of the game. Um, both both very fit. Um, again, same character. That you know, you say jump. The only question they ask is how high. Um, you know, and they they set very high standards. So you know, Dan Dan expects a lot from you, which is which is what it should be. Um, yeah, and if you don't perform, you, you're out the door, and that's the way it should be in performance tennis. Um, I like it; some people don't. Um, but you know, I, you you know, I, Dan treats himself as like a Premier League football club, and if in, and if he's not performing, he'll assess all areas, and if it's your fault, you you know, you, you must be accountable for it. And you know, I love that; I think it's great. Does that work both ways as well? If you're working with Natalie and you feel they're not performing, what do you do in that case? Do you give them a nudge? Which I have never had because they don't cut corners. But if you feel like the, the player is cutting corners and you ask them to do stuff and they're not doing it or they're doing it. And, you know, I always say that, you know, no matter what you do, you, there's no excuse for not giving 100% effort. Um, you may not play well or you may not run that well on that particular day, but that you can tell if someone's giving you 100% effort. Um, and so, yeah, if they, if they, if you feel like they're not giving you the effort that, or, or to the standard that you, you set, you, you basically just have a chat and it could be something in their, their own life that's personal life or they're just tired or it's been a long season, they need a break. But, you know, communication is, is critical. So, you know, if you communicate and, and um, yeah, just get get it get it out there, and if, and then if things don't get better, then it could be maybe I'm not the right person for you. Maybe I'm I'm not getting the best out of you. So my character, my personality is not right for you. But I have been lucky. I mean, you know, obviously with Dan and with Tim um, Wayne, I've never really had those issues, and 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 now with Serana as well. I mean, what a girl she is. I mean, she's such a lovely girl. Um, but 
both you know on and off the court and and the great listener wants to wants to improve wants to get better and that's the same with Dan you know Dan's always looking for that I call it that one percent you know like that everyone does everything ninety nine percent good it's that what's that one percent and he's always looking for that one percent which I love I think champions are always looking for that one thing you know to what what yeah. what can make them different what where's the improvements they're always looking for an angle how, how do you pick Let's say there's a week and Liam Brody wants you, Dan wants you, Serrano wants you, a particular week for whatever reason, they all have a week free, they want to work in their fitness. How 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 do they how do you make a decision on where to travel that week? All right, so that's a good question. So um a lot of it comes down to the individual's commitment towards me. So if you look at the summer, um my loyalty has always been with Liam because I've worked with Liam the longest. Um and so first off, I went out to Liam and he was like, um, I only wanted, he, because he was playing different events, he was going to play Washington and the US Open. Dan's commitment was eight weeks. He wanted me for eight weeks. So we did a week training in IMG. And then it was Atlanta, Washington, Toronto, Cincinnati, week off US Open. And um, Serana, um after I worked with her, women wanted to carry on, but I would only see her in Washington, Cincinnati, U.S. Open. So then just worked on a, uh, on, on, on a priority. So Dan was the priority. Liam was second and Toronto was third. Um, but then, so if we're all at the same tournament, but Dan wanted to leave early, I would leave with Dan. Um, so it was always upfront and honest. And then at the U.S. Open, it was okay. I will stay till the last person leaves. So in this case, Liam lost last round qualies. So he he stayed around till first Wednesday, hoping to get a lucky loser. And then he went um, to uh, Cassie's Challenger. And then um, Dan lost middle Saturday. So then he left and then I stayed with Serranus and then Serrano became the, the main priority. So as long as, as I think with any of these things, and, and Dan put it out there very early on, set the ground rules early so everybody knows where they stand, and then it's not a problem. And that's to do with practice. Obviously, if Dan's playing a match, I have to warm up the players. That's my, my, my bare minimum, and Dan gets that. But, and then Dan gives, will have the option of, if I've left his match, if he wants me to come back and watch it or stay away. Um, and yeah, so so it's just it's just been upfront and honest from from the word go, and 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 it's worked. It's it's that has worked. So this next trip, um, Serana will be in Beijing. So I'll work with Serana for a week in Beijing with Dan. But Dan Dan will be the priority. But hopefully, where scheduling's worked, I can I can see both. But but obviously, if Serana and Dan are playing at the same time, I'll watch Dan. Nice. We had uh, Thomas Johansson on the on the show a few weeks, well, about a month yeah. and a half ago. Who's super nice, very insightful, yeah. and who's also you, 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 you know him pretty well now because you're part of the yeah. team. But uh, you get on well with him. Yeah. I, well, I know that's how I got the job because I, I knew Thomas when he played. So um, he asked me down in Eastbourne if I was willing to help help Serrano um, through the grass because she was just struggling. And I happily did it, and then I actually got on well with her, like really well. 
Um, and so, yeah, there's the connection there. So, yeah, we'll just just keep it going. Nice. And just going back to the US Open, we you know we all heard about how hot it was there. Were you still there when the temperatures, when the temperature changed a little bit, it got more humid? Yeah, I was there. I was there. So, I mean, look, in terms of actual US Open, you're talking of three or four days versus in the past, it's it's been like intense for, for 14, 15 days. Um, like when uh, Serana played Rabakina, I was wearing a tractor top, it was cold uh, on, on the Friday. And then, you know, when she played Benchich on the Sunday, it was warming up a bit. Dan's match was warming up a bit. And then obviously in the second week, that that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday was really hot, really, really hot. And then Friday to the weekend, it cooled down uh, a lot. So, but look, at, at the end of the day, as, uh, you know, these, these tennis athletes are conditioned to play in these extreme, extreme weather. I mean, you know, that, you know, Cincinnati can get hot. Atlanta was really hot. So it's not like it's, it's uh, a bolt out the blue, so to speak. I mean, they, you've just got to change your preparation. You've got to make sure that you've got the right fluids in your nutrition, you know, and what snacks you're taking on the court, what, what electrolytes you're drinking. Yeah, you just got to, you've got to know your onions and, and, you know, make sure, like, I'd probably say Djokovic is the leader in that in terms of, you know, he'll, he'll probably have different hydration drinks for different days, different temperatures. Wow. You know, you know, different tablets to take, different nutritional whatever based based on 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 how it is. But yeah, I mean, that's why it's a grand slam. Adverse conditions, uh, you've got to get through it. And when you see all the athletes out there, who to you, in your mind, is like the 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 fittest tennis player? I know we could probably define fit in a few different ways, but when you yeah. look at all the players, I see somebody like Medvedev. He doesn't. You know, he doesn't look like a physical beast, but he yeah. seems to be able to. The, the the conditions don't seem to affect him as much, from what I can see from the TV and his matches. Um, Nadal, uh, Nadal, Djokovic is leading the way. I mean, he he has not got one bad thing in his body. I mean, he 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 is pure than pure. He, he he'll he'll make you know. Every water or, or 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 the best water look just filthy. Um, so, and there's no no denying, you know, that his dedication to the sport, his dedication to his body, both on and off the court, um, speaks volumes to to why, in my opinion, he's the best tennis player to have ever played the game. You know, people are trying to make allowances for for Federer and Nadal that. You can't, you can't use you know, streaks ahead of them, you know. And and hats off to him, you know. He, he had his own strong beliefs about COVID, and you know he never played. Uh, I think it was two two, two U.S. Opens. He never he never played um, because because he stood by his beliefs. Um, so yeah, hats look hats off. Um, yeah, so I'd say he's he's he is he is the leader in terms of conditioning. You know, he played what an hour. Was it an hour and seven minutes or for the second set? Mm, hour and 45, was it? Yeah, and then, you know, he was fresh as a daisy. I mean, you know, and, and he was playing Medvedev, who, who's who's renowned for his endurance engine. 
it does sometimes you watch Novak and it does look like he's dipping but you know he's going to come out of it and come out stronger like it's yeah. he, he does seem to struggle at, at times but he always finds a way to he finds a yeah. second win quick enough and if you haven't put him, if you haven't put him away by then there's no chance you know no and on the women's side who's who's the the Novak equivalent um over the summer, Coco Goff impressed me. Uh, Eighteen and one record, I thought was um, very good. Um, Mukova, who played Kristia in the quarters, impressed me with her movement. I thought she she moved really well. Um, you know, I, I would say uh, Pagula. You know, the, the girls that are playing, Zabalenka, you know, they're winning a lot of matches. And, you know, Zabalenka hits the ball Tundra. so hard. Yeah. Um, Is she hitting the ball harder than most guys? No. No, no I mean, but no, but I mean, she can, you know, but I'm sure, you know, like I'd, I'd like to see what an average point speed drop a set versus, you know, a, a guy in the top 100. I'm, I'm sure she's not far off it. I'm sure she's not far off it, but um, yeah, I mean, I was a bit, a bit disappointed to see, you know, that that went viral, that her smashing a racket after the match. Uh, I thought that was taste, tasteless from uh, from the tournament to allow that to go out. I mean, I think some things need to be kept private, and that's one thing that does need to be kept private. Um, even though the Netflix cameras are in there, I know for a fact that when the episodes come out, the players that are in that episode are allowed to screen it and agree to what content is allowed in it or not. Um, and that, after the circumstances, I think, yeah, it, it should have been left private and not been allowed to go out on social media. Yeah, a lot of that, that was in the Aussie Open one year and... Uh... John Isner had a, a bad loss. I think it was against Opelka. It was one of the usual seven six six seven seven six seven six sets, and he came through the tunnel back into the before the changing rooms, and he just got into a corner. And I just happened to be walking by at the same time, but he hit in the corner. All you could hear was him going through every racket. But yeah. you know, he was in his own corner. There was uh, there was no cameras or anything. But so I understand it happens a lot, and players have to let the frustration. They can move on a lot yeah. of times from that, but. You're right. Sometimes they're they can be a bit exposed by all the cameras everywhere, and and yeah. obviously the U.S. Open made a decision to publish the video. So yeah, which is which is tasteless. Mm. So again, a bit of a bit of advice, Kieran. For we've a lot of parent listeners, junior tennis players. Yeah. What advice do you have from a fitness perspective for junior tennis players like thirteen, fourteen, fifteen? Yeah. So the the biggest thing is. Um, yeah, tennis is a physically demanding sport on your body, and it's uh, it's a uni unilateral sport, so it's one side dominant. The earlier you can get a functional screening done and get your corrective exercises in place to identify what's weak, tight, and imbalance, the the better. Because when you get into your latter teenage years, is if you've got that under control. Um, you 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 will be fine, but a lot of lot of players neglect that and then just tennis dominant, just play tennis and don't don't do do the screenings that are required. And you can do them from as young as eight years old. 
and it could just start with like four very basic screening exercises that um, will set you in good stead um, that you, you need to be accountable and responsible to do. What normally comes up with younger tennis players when they do screen? Is it just like right side or left side dominant? Is that the main thing or yeah. one hip tight? Yeah, so they'll have what is so scapular winging. Um, so just scapular, basically dominant one side. Um, upper trap dominant is another one that comes up, um, which is the, tr- the muscle at the top of your shoulder. Um, sh- uh, protracted shoulder blade, so because of the, the, the continue, your shoulder just comes forward. So you end up being quite tight in what they call your pectoralis major. So stretching out that, strengthening the back. Um, hip flexor, you know, tight hips. Um, and also tight calves as well. So those would kind of be the three or the, or the dominant areas that you would probably want to get on as quick as you can, especially your upper back um, and get on the corrective exercises. Um, to eradicate all those problems. And who should carry out the screening? Like a, a good a good physio or physical? No, a physio, well, I, no, a physical trainer can do it if they if they if they have a, a, a good screening protocol. But um, or a physiotherapist, you know, you can start at eight where the screening takes twenty minutes, and then you can go all the way through to when they're sixteen, seventeen. Screening can take probably an hour, maybe a little bit longer, where it's more detail that's coming out of it. Um, and the best thing to do is what they call a a passive passive functional screening, and then a moving fun- functional screening. Passive and active, they call it. So, so your passive result is you lying there, and the physio is moving your limbs around. And then when they do the active, the active should equal the dysfunctions of the passive. Okay. And. Uh... So it's too late when you're 25 to do this, is what you're saying, is it? No, it's, it's never it's never too late. It's obviously a lot harder, but uh, yeah, um, you're up against the eight ball the longer you leave it. And then what normally happens, I you know, it's happened loads and loads over the years. Parents then hit the panic button. They're like, oh my, you know, I need you, to, I need, I need S and C with my son, blah blah blah. And I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'm not a miracle worker. <laughs> you know, this is, you know, you know, like it's a two year project or it's, it's you know, it's a three year project you know, to get your body, body straight. Like anything with tennis, it is a, everything's a long process. There's no quick yeah. wins or quick fixes are rare. And if they, if you probably find one, it's probably, you're fooling yourself, I reckon. Yeah. 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 There's, you know, if we had the magic pill, we'd take it. So yeah, it's just all about consistency and continuity of work. Um, that will get you, you know, to, to the winning line eventually. Yeah. And final question for you, Kieran. What one thing if you learn from working with Dan Evans, what's the one thing that impressed you most about him that you take home with you? Whether it impressed me, maybe not the right word, but it's it's more about the intensity and focus of work um, that he brings in day in, day out. Um, his routines are very good. You know, like he has his you know, pre-practice routine, pre-match routine. Um, and then I, I've added my value to it, but leave what he does in, in there as well. So, um, yeah, and just this intensity of warm-up, intensity of practice, you know, it, it's it's at the high level all the time. 
You haven't done a training week with him in Dublin, have you? You haven't been over. No, he, I know he's been. He uses Dublin a fair bit. Yeah, no, I no. see him. Like he trains in my club whenever he's over. So, but I, yeah. I'm not sure who he has with him. But yeah, maybe one day he'll have you over. That's it. Yeah, well, definitely. Kieran, thank you very much. Great to learn about you. Thanks, man. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Kieran. It's always interesting to hear people's insights from various angles, and Kieran definitely gave one there. I'll be back next week. Until then, goodbye.